Hey guys, I'm Dr. Laura, and just before we hop into this jam-packed episode, I want to remind you that her time of the month is coming to an end for January, but it is not too late to join. Her time of the month, for those who don't know, is a monthly membership dedicated to giving you the information that you need about your health and hormones. Say bye to Dr. Google. Get naturopathic doctor recipes that are approved and your kids and family will actually like. Connect with like-minded women and become part of a community of badass women searching for answers to their hormonal health. Her time of the month features a monthly webinar and Q&A session hosted by yours truly, where we deep dive into everything you want to know. This month's webinar is on January 27th at 7 p.m. It is not too late to join. I want to offer our podcast listeners an exclusive deal to get one month free of her time of the month. That's right, one month free. So you're going to go to www.laurapiper.com and purchase your monthly membership and put in the code WELLWOMEN. That is WELLWOMEN, E-N. This will be in our show notes. Thank you and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome back to the Well Women podcast. I am Ashley LeClaire, a mental health and resiliency coach and owner of ALC Wellness. And I'm Dr. Laura, naturopathic doctor and creator of the Period Passport online program and her time of the month membership. So today we're going to do something a little different. I actually texted Laura, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, and said, listen, we need to change our plans a little bit. And we need to talk about what's going on, not necessarily with COVID itself. We're bombarded with COVID this, COVID that all the time. I get that. But what I thought would be really, really interesting and important and hopefully very helpful to some is to talk about how we're actually coping, how we're managing. Um, Because I was having a day where it was like, I, this is too much and I can't possibly be the only one. So I knew that it was important to, to have some of these conversations and to, um, to really hopefully make people feel less alone. Yeah. So I think, I guess I'm just going to, maybe I'm just going to word dump. Like, please bear with me because this is a little, again, different than what we usually do. Usually we've got, you know, a set topic where we want to help educate and then have some fun around it. But this is different. We, we just got news of the new restrictions. We're in the quote unquote second wave. And ultimately there's, there's feelings of uncertainty that are, are more intense than ever before. And personally, I'm really feeling frustrated, um, isolated, anxious as hell. Um, I think it's really hard because there's right now it feels like there's no end in sight. And I can't be the only ones that that are feeling that way. I just can't. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling similar? Yeah, I think I think it's. It's funny, there's a few different pieces to my puzzle in my feelings around this and surrounding this. I think at the beginning, uh, I guess having, I mean, technically, I guess Leo is a COVID baby. Like he was born November, 2019. And then by the time he was old enough that I actually wanted to like leave the house and do things and visit family, it, 
like we were in lockdown. So it's kind of like he literally hasn't had a lot of, in his 15 months of life, he hasn't had a lot of contact with a lot of people, which is like a whole other topic. So I think at first I was like, yeah, I mean, it's fine. I'm glad that I'm like, I, I always said, I can't, I don't know what I would do if I was in a stage of life, like when I was in university and wanting to go out and be with friends and maybe dating and doing all of those things. I can't imagine what other people are going through that, that are lonely and not being able to see their friends. They may live alone. They may not be able to have that contact. And so I think there was a piece of that, uh, that I was like, I guess I'm in a introvert type of phase in my life. But then I, but then I looked back at it and I was like, no, as an, as a mom of a one-year-old, I do want to go out. I want to see my friends. I want to see family. Yes. I want to do different things than when I used to want to go out to the bars and, and all of those things, but I still want that social connection. I feel like we can't, we can't ignore the fact that you want that connection. And myself, uh, obviously I work from home virtually seeing patients, which is fine. And I, I love seeing patients in that capacity, but I feel like we're still feeling very deprived of connection, no matter how, how much we're connecting virtually, it's still, it's not the same. And I think I myself try to almost like shove it down the feelings because I feel like I have to support fertility patients that are feeling lonely and other patients that are feeling lonely and moms that are trying to go through this online schooling. Like anybody who is doing the online schooling, I do not know how you're doing it. You guys are warriors because the amount of patients and colleagues and people who have school, school age children who I speak with every single day, I do not know how it's possible. And with the job I have, even I know it would be impossible for me if I didn't have uh, that help. And not to mention Moms who have kids, it takes a village to raise children. I don't care how you put it, but everybody has their village. And you know what? For a lot of families, school is part of that village. Daycare is part of that village. Um, family and friends is part of that village. And so I feel uh, for all of the parents who are doing the homeschooling, I feel for all of the parents who have young babies, to all of the moms who didn't think that their maternity leave would be in lockdown, who thought that they would be spending time with friends and families and enjoying their baby. Um, and so I think this second wave just really gives a sense of, like you said, isolation, frustration, anxiety, no end in sight. To me, I feel like sometimes I sit there and I feel like it's a black hole. It's like, when, when is this going to end? And I think I try to, back in March, I tried to reason with myself being like, okay, it's going to be two weeks. I can do this. I'm going to follow all the rules. I'm going to do all the things and it's going to be fine. And then when it continued, I lost that sense of motivation. And not that I didn't follow the rules. I am a rule follower till the end, <laughs> but I lost the motivation and I can understand people losing the motivation and our mental health is really being pushed to the side and I'll go ahead and I'm going to be finished talking in a minute because I know you have lots to say, but I'm going to go as far as saying that our general health is being pushed aside. If it's not COVID related, um, I've had, and now I'm doing this episode as like not a doctor. We're not going to talk about COVID in that sense at all. Um, but I felt like, not only our mental health has been pushed to the side, but even trying to get basic health care for my son during a pandemic has been impossible. And so that's where I'm at, seeing these new restrictions, seeing how there's no end in sight. And really what we're doing doesn't seem like a solution. So I guess I just don't know the next step. And as a, I guess, 
as somebody who likes to plan, and I know a lot of you out there are planners, this is detrimental to our mental health. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm a planner as well. So I feel that. Laura, that was really powerful. Um, and I, I don't think you realized how powerful what you just said was for a few different reasons. I know that people listening could possibly be a little bit triggered from this in a sense that we're saying things that are so raw and that we all, I think a lot of us are going to be able to resonate with. So if this is bringing up some feelings for you, I'm sitting here like my eyes are kind of welling and I'm starting to get more anxious and that is normal and that is okay. And that is part of this, unfortunately. Um, And what we're trying to create is this space where we can know that you're not alone. Like you're not alone. We're sitting here in the same feelings that you have. The moms that are doing home or or dads, anyone who are doing homeschooling, how in the world are you doing this? Like shout out to you. If there's any way that I can support you, tell me because you are like Laura said, warriors. This is incredible for, for people like me. Like I am, I'm single. I, um, you know, 29 years old, this should be a time where I am out and I am living my life and I am, you know, doing some really big things and I am stuck at my desk in my friggin' bedroom. It is, it is devastating to my career. It is devastating to my future. And it's really challenging for those who have families. Like, yes, it's fantastic that you have your family around you, but also it's probably exhausting and overwhelming to be stuck together all the time. Yep. Like I can't, I can't say one is better or worse than the other. They have their own challenges. Right. And can I just say that I've been crossing my fingers through this lockdown that my daycare was allowed to stay open because having my village is extremely important to not only my career and being able to work. I'm so, so very fortunate. I'm able to work and I am deemed essential, whether it's virtually or in office, but a lot of people do not have that luxury. And so I'm very fortunate to be able to work. But, but if I didn't have my village, I wouldn't have a choice either way. And I think that's what a lot of my patients are struggling with. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I, I don't know how single parents or people that are away from their families or now, like we look at the fact that now with this new stay at home order, we are even more seriously being told to stay home. So even if, okay, this is, this I don't want to say that I've been breaking the rules, but I, I'm a single person. I live with one roommate. My parents live up the street. So my parents right. are part of my bubble. I'm just going right. to say, and whether that's breaking laws or not, they have been part of my bubble and they've been a big part of my bubble. And the reason being is that for me with my mental health, it is dangerous, seriously dangerous for me not yeah. to be supported properly. So yeah. if you take that away from me, if you say I can't go see my mom and my stepdad, um, that could be very detrimental to my mental health and very dangerous. And I'm not the only one. Um, this is a really big thing. So now that we're in this new state, I was at my doctor's yesterday and he said, well, what are you going to do now that you can't go see your, your mom? And I'm like, instantly I had a panic attack just sitting in his chair. And I said, I, I can't go there. I can't think of that. I don't know how. No, you're like, I'm going to see my mom. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, oh, uh, so about that. Yeah. No, but it's true. Like, luckily, they live so close um, that <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone, but I can walk my dog there. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they don't like they like my mom's home from work and they, they stay home. So it's fine. Sure. But 
Um, I'm the, you know, in their bubble, in their mind, it's just how it works. But yeah, it's like, I, I'm not willing to take that risk with myself. And that's really challenging. And I'm sure so many people are in similar situations and, or even worse, they don't have that support. Yeah. Like I can't imagine not having that. Right. Well, and breaking open that, not even that support, you mentioned living with your family, which like, that's one thing, but also can we just bring up domestic violence and maybe living in a home that feels unsafe and having to stay there. There's a lot of layers and those layers involve living with maybe a partner who you feel unsafe with or a family member that you feel unsafe with. Or again, how I mentioned daycare being my village, school being a resource for lunches and Mm -hmm. breakfast for some children. And so it's really, really making an impact bigger than I think any of us really can even know. Absolutely. And I think so often too, we go into comparison mode. So like, I know I sit here and I think, okay, I have food in my fridge. I have, you know, a warm home. I'm safe. I'm supported. I don't have it that bad. And I I downplay how this feels for me. But yes, of course, people are always going to have it worse than us, but we need to stop downplaying our own struggle. And I think you do that, Laura. <laughs> Just to throw you under the bus. <laughs> well, I okay. I think. I, you know what? I might do it and not notice because I was just going to say, I call out my patients all the time, not even about this, but in general about women. And I always talk about women and the way women talk about their stress is, oh, I have this stress. But so many people have it worse than me. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm lucky. My my job drives me up the wall. But I'm so lucky to be employed. It's like, but you're allowed to feel the feelings. And you know what? You're right. I don't feel the feelings. I don't. Yeah, I'm glad you acknowledged that. <laughs> I don't. And I and I've been well. And, and a lot of the times, it's a protection thing too. Like yeah. because the second you start going down that rabbit hole, it's a long spiral till you hit the ground. Like it's not nice. It's not enjoyable. So I don't blame you. And I I'm sorry that I'm laughing because it's not the intention. My intention is (laughs) to, you know, obviously support you in in exploring that. But um, I think also something that we're not doing enough of right now is actually acknowledging how incredible kids have been during this. Um, Kids of all ages, but specifically ones that can understand and comprehend what's going on. Like, this is so hard for us as adults who have the vocabulary and the capacity to, uh, to process and to work through this. And then there's kids who aren't as near as uh, prepared to kind of process. And they're just going through the motions and living this life and, and often doing it better than us. For real. Yeah. And it's just like, I just want to high five every, well, I can't obviously COVID, but um, <laughs> you know, every kid that's just getting through this right now, because it is not easy. And I can't imagine being a young person trying to navigate this specifically teens. Like I was just going to say that. Yeah. Such an age where you're, you know, connecting and, and it's such a big part of our development. Well, at every age, but you know, at, the teenage years specifically, that development piece of, of finding some autonomy and, and starting to distance yourself from your family and, and build your own kind of um, village. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking on so many levels. And we all know this, you know, we're not saying anything new here. What we're saying is you're not alone if you're feeling yeah. any of these and things. I, and I think on the, on the teen, and maybe you have something to speak to this, but I don't know about you, but like I, since, since lockdown started, I had a newfound 
I discovered TikTok. Like I'm not making <laughs> TikToks. I don't make, I can, I won't make TikToks. I make reels. Cause like, that's a whole thing, but I just don't make TikToks. It's not my jam. Um, and a lot of teens are on TikTok and a lot of teens are isolated and on TikTok. And I don't know if you, if you've been in the live section of TikTok, like if somebody goes live on TikTok, you can actually, like, I didn't really know this till I was in a live. And you, if you scroll up, people it's just lives like it's just pure lives and the people that I've seen on live like young kids or or like young adults um just sitting on live really doing anything and I'm kind of like or sorry not really doing anything and I'm kind of like this is their this is their connection like this is what Mm -hmm. they're doing now and I wonder the harm of all of this like I wonder we already talk about you talk about social media safety and teens and tweens on social media and the impact that it can have and the vulnerabilities on social media and for anyone interested Ashley and I have done an episode specifically about this so if you kind of go back and want to listen to that whole thing but I'm just wondering if do you think that a obviously we're on social media more and b do you think that the isolation and the loneliness is increasing our vulnerabilities and if so how absolutely absolutely I not all so before all of this happened tweens and teens were already so susceptible to bad things happening to them online whether that be um, getting recruited for human trafficking or more simply, you know, sharing, um, explicit images or getting involved in, you know, that sexting thing that then can blow up in their face. That was such a normal part of life. Unfortunately, now they're on their phones exponentially more and they're desperate for connection. Desperate. I know when I was that age, when I felt desperate for connection, what I what lengths I would go to to get that, and that was before social media. So I can only imagine um, how big of an increase this is having on our society online, on our kids, um, and also just the the danger around sharing about themselves because they're literally just looking for people to connect with them. So they could be sharing information about themselves that they shouldn't be um, in a much less harmful way, but it still can be very detrimental if they're sharing the wrong information to the wrong people. Um, yeah. I TikTok think are a whole nother world though. Oh a hundred percent. And there's, and there's girls on TikTok that look like they're 25 and they're 16. And so I yep. think that's another, that's a, that's a big layer of it as well. And I think, um, even I was on, when I was scrolling TikTok the other day, I, and obviously as an adult, like a 30 year old, you just kind of like, you just look for funny things and you take it all into context. But as a teen or a tween, that's a very different, that's a very different perspective. And, um, the other day when I was scrolling, I found a a girl on there. I don't know how old she was. She was talking about, uh, becoming or getting a sugar daddy and how she used that as a, as an income source. And she was kind of giving instructional videos as to how to do that. And, um, to each their own, but (laughs) as a young teen, seeing that possibly being, maybe you worked at a restaurant, maybe that's where you made your money. And now COVID has caused a shutdown and you're like, well, what do I do for work? There is the potential to get yourself into some seriously dangerous situations. Absolutely. It's huge. And I think too, um, the comparison and the body comparison and the, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the self-worth and things that come with that. Even me, I've been on I I joke that I haven't put my phone down since March 2020. Like, 
it's been in my hand. I've been scrolling constantly and social media can be a really draining and disgusting place if not used appropriately. So for these young people that are susceptible to, you know, these, these accounts that make them feel bad about themselves or that teach them dangerous things or that kind of, you know, brainwash is a bit of a an intense word, but we start to believe certain things about ourselves and about the world. And that can be really, really dangerous. So yeah, this, this world for kids right now is so challenging. And I just, I give them, I give them props for, for making it this far and, and for being as good as they can be. And if, and that's the thing, if, if you have kids, if you have kids of any age and they're acting out right now, like, give them a bit of slack. I know I'm not a parent, but like, can you imagine being in that situation and not being able to process appropriately and not having words and language to be able to work through this? Like, I don't blame them for acting out a little bit right now. I just really don't. If I could, you know, scream and stomp my feet and people wouldn't think I was, you know, something was wrong with me, I would absolutely do it. (laughs) I know. And I just think like you and I had this conversation when we spoke about safe social media before COVID was a thing. Um, But I I always say like, I think back to the, you think back to the stupid things you thought, the stupid things you did back when you were young. And it's like, imagine that was, that was (laughs) magnified. On the internet for everyone to see because you were isolated and you were looking for connection and the connection wasn't in the form of bush parties that you went to on a Friday night. It was in the form of trying to get connection and going on TikTok live and maybe doing or saying something that you may regret. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really challenging. And that also the highlight reel of other people's lives when we're on the topic of social media, let's slide there. So we were seeing at our age, as young people, whatever, we're still posting well, most people are still posting their highlight reel, right? The things that are great, their workouts, their productivity, all these great, great, great things. Now, I will say things are shifting slightly. And I see a lot more people getting vulnerable on social media with it, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think is really impactful. But often we're scrolling and we're thinking, damn, like, how do they have it all together? You know, how's she finding the motivation to do five workouts a week and all this stuff. And guess what? A lot of the times it's not real. (laughs) It's just what people are showing other people. And that can be really detrimental and make us feel even more lonely and even more isolated. And like, we should be doing more. We should be more productive. We should be working out more. We should be eating better. Well, you know what, guess what? Right now, I just need to survive this. Um, So if that means I need to binge watch Love Island, I'm going to binge watch Love Island. I just yeah. I'm on season one, so it's fun. Um, but I think that, and I, I struggle with this too, this highlight reel thing, because with with my social media, from from my perspective, obviously my mission is to educate and empower and all of the things. And I, I, I am vulnerable and I've been trying to, to do that over the past little bit, which is difficult. Um, but I think that I try to balance I try to balance supporting my patients and throwing a burden or my patients and my followers. Like some of them are patients, some of them are not. That's fine. Um, I try to balance on my Instagram, my social media. I try to balance sharing the vulnerable moments and sharing the negative things, but also lifting people up and not adding. I don't want to add weight 
to your already heavy situation. If you're feeling, because sometimes you're feeling a type of way. And if you see, like, I know for me, if I'm seeing negative things, I feel worse. And Mm -hmm. so I don't always want to see that. It's nice to see vulnerability, vulnerability sometimes, but then when I don't see happy things, I feel like, again, that black hole spiral. I don't know if any of that makes sense, but I guess seeing that balance to me is important also. Yeah, for sure. And I think you're doing a really good job at that. I think oh, That's not what I was looking for. But... No, no, I know, I know, but still you are. Shout out to you. Um, no, I, I feel you on that. I think social media can be such an ugly place, right? It, you know, with all the stuff that happened in the US and we just get bombarded constantly. So absolutely, we still need so much of that positive stuff. And honestly, vulnerability to me doesn't always have to be ugly and sad. It can be empowering and positive and, you know, what comes out for that. So um, ultimately, I think right now we need to come together and we need to talk about how hard this is. Find your people in your life that you feel comfortable Um, you feel comfortable with, you feel safe with and have these conversations. You know, we don't need to all have it together. Like I got on a FaceTime call with one of my best friends and I just bawled and I said, this is too much, you know, and just to have someone acknowledge and say, girl, like, this is too much. And then she cried too. Like, it was just everything that I needed to just know that I'm not sitting here in this space, the only one feeling it. So We, we don't need to have it all together. We don't even need to have it slightly together, I think. Right now, what we need to do is stay safe, stay home, and stay alive. And yeah. I know that that seems really, the stay alive piece seems, seems pretty drastic, but it's true. Um, yeah. We don't need to be, you know, solving world hunger right now. I wish we could. We don't need to be, you know, building this big, beautiful, incredible business that I wish I, you know, had the ability to do right now, it's okay to just survive. Yeah. Yeah. Can we also, oh, I was going to say, can we talk about coping? Can we talk about coping mechanisms? Because I can tell you like what hasn't been on social media is my glasses of wine that I've actually, um, I think since COVID began, and I'm sure many of you can relate, I I think I got myself into a little bit of an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. So I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah, I definitely have a really unhealthy relationship with food. I've always struggled with food. And this is something that will come up in a lot of our conversations. I think it came up in our poop talk as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Food for me has always been a coping mechanism. Um, I've kind of joked that like, at least it's not drug and drugs and booze, but like, (laughs) it's it's still shitty. Um, And what happens for me is when I'm emotional, I eat. When I eat, I feel guilt and I feel shame. And then when I feel guilt and I feel shame, I eat. And then the cycle continues. And it's really challenging because with all of this going on, I've been wanting to numb. And I've been, so there's kind of two pieces of it. One, I, now that, now that marijuana is legal, I have been using um, vape pens a little bit just to help me sleep because I do have a challenging time sleeping sometimes with my anxiety disorder. Um, But with that comes an increased want for food. (laughs) Like when I'm high, I want more and more food. And that is very challenging with my um, unhealthy coping. But also what I'm finding is that um, the more that I eat, the worse that I feel about myself, the worse I feel about the situation, 
but the only way that I can feel good again is to eat. And I talked to my doctor about this yesterday and he said, you have to remember, and I knew this, but it was a good reminder. When we eat, especially when we eat like carbs and um, like sweets and that, you know, really good, nasty stuff that I always Mm -hmm. want. um, Mm -hmm. I say nasty, but I mean it in the best way possible because I love that shit. Um, (laughs) The best stuff. Uh, No shame there. Uh, When we eat those types of foods, it it hits our reward center in our brain, which releases our feel-good hormones. Mm -hmm. So it's no like there's no question as to why that's happening. Of course I'm going to want to feel good when I feel like shit, when I'm feeling depressed or anxious and the world's in shambles. If I have something that makes my reward center light up and makes me have feel good hormones, of course I'm going to do it. So I want you all to remember that if you're sitting here and you're struggling with whether it be wine or whether it be um you know food or whatever you're kind of I'm putting this in quotes, unhealthy coping is Mm -hmm. right now. I want you to remember there's a scientific reason behind it. So it's not because there's something wrong with you. There's not, it's not because, you know, you can't control yourself. It's because your body is literally trying to feel okay. Um, Mind you, if you are getting into a situation where you think that it is problematic, if there is any, you know, concern for your safety, for the safety of children or any of those things, please, please, please reach out to appropriate support. The last thing I want is to be, you know, encouraging you to, you know, getting blackout drunk every single night because that's going to do some damage um, or to, you know, smoke too much weed. But um, there, there's obviously a line everywhere, but reaching out for support if if we get to that point is definitely something we need to do. And I think this is going to be something that we're going to deal with for years and years and years to come after COVID is what did COVID do to addiction as well? Right? Like, mm -hmm. so yeah, that's my, that's my coping man food. And it doesn't matter. I can get groceries. I can prep delicious, nutritious meals, um, but it doesn't do the same thing for me. That's it's really, it's really challenging. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been. I've. I get the same. Um, I don't find myself binging, but I definitely like need that sweet. I crave that sweet. And um, again, you're right. It's like, and especially sugar. Sugar acts like cocaine in your brain. Research has shown in rats. And so um, it's it's no surprise that we need that upper. We need that like stimulant, mm-hmm. those feel good hormones. And obviously another way to, you mentioned people working out and doing all these things and being productive and during the pandemic. And honestly, I find that when it comes to working out, especially with women, I feel like we shame ourselves when we don't work out. It's like, I didn't work out hard enough. We like punish ourselves for working out, but then we also reward ourselves for working out by like eating a bunch of food. And we then develop more unhealthy uh, habits that kind of go with that as well. And so I found personally, like with my workouts, like we're all working out at home and working out at home is boring. Being in the same four walls is boring. And so what I've found, and I've been really guilty of, of, uh, I guess, rewarding and punishing myself for exercise. And if I didn't work out, I feel bad. And if I went for a walk instead of lifted weights, I I feel bad. And so I've actually found that 
the best thing for me in the working out spiral, instead of trying to finish a program or achieve a weight or, or do anything else, I found that listening to my body in terms of what I need has been the biggest thing. Like for example, yesterday I was going to do a workout. I was going to do like a a strength workout or a cardio workout or something. And I started it. I was five minutes in and I just, my, I was like, I don't want to do this. And instead I did 10 minutes of stretching and I was like, I feel good. That's what I wanted. And the, and the day before I went for a nice long walk outside and I found myself really craving that like fresh air outside. And I find that that's, that really lifts my mood. And that's one of the positive coping mechanisms I've been able to get is is really just moving outside or getting fresh air, bringing my dog out. And obviously, you know, having a dog is kind of a game changer when it comes to like, they need a walk. So you have to go outside. And I feel like that's kind of a a good coping mechanism that we can all take from that is just like listening to our bodies in terms of, um, especially when it comes to like the exercise type Mm -hmm. of Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a really good, um, good suggestion, Laura, for sure. Um, One thing that I have kind of one more thing to add. And then um, I, you know, I think we've explored a lot of things and this is heavy stuff. And the last thing we want to do is, you know, overwhelm for too long. But I think what I really want to hit home um, with specifically around the food and the exercise and the coping is that our bodies are changing with us right now, right? We've been almost in this hellhole, for lack of a better word, for about Mm -hmm. a year And our bodies change within a normal year anyways, but this is an absolutely abnormal year. And I want all of us to remember that although our bodies have changed with us, they've kept us alive and they've kept us well throughout this, whatever that looks like for you. So we really, the last thing I want is for us to add more stress to ourselves that we should look or act in a different way right now. What we need to be doing is doing exactly what we feel we need to do in that moment. If that's napping, if that's, you know, watching TV, having some, a hearty meal, getting outside for a walk, doing a strengths exercise, whatever that feels, whatever feels right for you, do it in that moment. Because we have too many other horrible things going on in this world. Don't add more stress to yourself. Just don't. Yep. Absolutely. I would 100% agree. Great. Do you have anything else to add, Laura, today? No, I think we've covered a lot of things and I hope um, I hope everybody feels a little bit less alone and um, able to resonate and get something from, from this episode. Absolutely. And just a final reminder that if you are struggling in any way, please reach out um, for support, whether that be to your loved ones, your doctor, your counselor, your coach. Um, a local crisis line, or even an emergency room if necessary, okay? That is always an option. Um, I know that there can be fear to go into an emergency room right now with COVID, but um, if you or someone you know is in danger, that needs to be um, somewhere you go, okay? Absolutely. Uh, Thanks, guys, for tuning in. I know this one was a little bit heavy, but uh, we felt We felt like it needed to be done, so I'm glad that we had this conversation. And um, please feel free to reach out to us if you have any comments or anything you want to add. Absolutely. Thanks for coming. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye.